0: To see how many people are here this morning, I, I came kind of prepared that we're going to have a small little handful of families this morning and just feel really blessed for those of you visitors that blessed us coming our way this morning and making our group a little bigger, a little more worthwhile for meeting and enhance our singing. Thank you for doing that. We're glad for your presence here this morning. I noticed that our battery went dead on the clock. So we'll just ignore that clock and I'll try to keep an eye on time the best I can. So, all right, why don't we uh, stand and uh, have prayer together. Father in heaven, thank you again this morning for the blessing and privilege of gathering together with your people who you've called out of this dark world into your marvelous light. Thank you, Father, for your transforming, changing power. Thank you for the work of sanctification that you long to continue doing in each one of our lives to transform us more and more into your image. Thank you, Lord, that we can study about our everlasting God. And Father, we don't comprehend the no beginning and no end. It's beyond our comprehension, but we accept it and recognize that's who you are. You are our Creator. And You wrote the book. You give us the instructions for life that we are to live by. And Father, we just want to open our hearts up to You in these days that we live in and ask, Lord, that You would take each soul that's gathered together here further along the journey of life. And Father, that Your power could be unleashed in each one of our lives, transforming us more and more into the image of our Lord Jesus, the one who purchased us and redeemed us by your grace and by your mercy to make us your very own, to deliver us from the power and the control of Satan. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can stand together this morning on common ground and look into the faith of Jesus, face of Jesus because of what you've done. Father, I pray that you would bless us as a congregation, bless all the visitors that are here. I pray that you would take the thoughts that I have and break it down into our lives and into our experience so that we can continue our journey. Father, we just want to commit the next hour here to you and ask that you would visit each one of us personally. We look to you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, I'm going to begin by telling you a uh, little memorable incident many years ago in my life. I remember sometimes we as a family, my mom and dad, would take us on a Sunday afternoon drive, and we would just go for a drive. I guess that's when gas was maybe a little cheaper than it is now, I'm not sure. But I remember, and I'm not sure, this this goes back pretty far, I remember sometimes we would We would go for a little trek over what was the Welsh mountain. I guess the Welsh Mountain is still there, but the Welsh mountain is different today than than it was then I remember, and i don 't know when it all got cleaned up down there it'd be down in the Dave Esche neighborhood. He probably knows more history. I think there is actually some history that goes with that that i don 't know about, but I remember as a family we'd drive over the Welsh mountain and we 'd look at those run down huts and we 'd look at all the trash and the rubbish and the garbage um, there's a few uh, my age group, people and older here that remember that, probably I see Myron smiling, um, driving over the Welsh Mountain looking at those homes. And, uh, you know, as I think back over that, um, I remember the feelings that I had, I guess as I think back and I'm considering the subject here this morning, I remember the feelings I've had, I, I have as I look back at those poor souls. And, you know, when we do those kind of things, we, we, it's very easy to develop somehow feelings of feeling a bit more superior than those kind of people, living in those kind of conditions. And well, then we just go on our way and go through life. And I'm probably not going to say much more about that now, but I trust as we go along here, if I can bring the ends together in my thoughts the way I'd like to, you'll know why I shared that little incident, that little story. Um, those kind of feelings of superior can hinder us and I believe our God given calling and responsibility in life. This morning I feel like I had this this thought going through my mind that I felt like God would probably have me title it this morning. And the question I'd like for us to ask this morning is who is my neighbor? Most of you will know when I say that where that scripture probably is found. Who is my neighbor? But I'd like this morning, maybe not necessarily to give us an answer to all of that question. Uh, you know, that the, the whole question, and, and you can turn to Luke chapter 10. That's where we're going to spend most of our time here this morning. And you all know the account. I know and trust, I know we all know the story of a very, very familiar story. So simple sometimes, some of these simple Bible stories, incidences in Scripture, we many times miss the point that God really has for us. We just skim over it too fast and go on to the next thing. But this morning I'd like to look and gather some lessons uh, at the life and example that we have of the Good Samaritan. And it was that certain lawyer that stood up and asked that question that day to Jesus. When he said, who is my neighbor? And of course, that was after the that certain lawyer had actually answered the question Jesus gave to him. and then And he says, that's right, you have well said. And then he went on to justify himself and said, who is my neighbor? And you know, in the day and the age that we live in, many times I find myself wrestling with that question. And I suppose you could probably look at me and say, well, why do you wrestle with a question like that? Maybe if you would just be doing the will of God, you wouldn't have to wrestle with that question so much. So I suppose maybe to some of us we wrestle with a question like that too much and maybe some of us we don't wrestle with a question like that as much as we should. I guess I'll just say it that way. And this morning I trust that we can wrestle with the question if we need to wrestle with the question. And if we can just get some encouragement this morning along the line of who is my neighbor? But I trust this morning, somehow God can break it all down and speak to our hearts what needs to be spoken to our hearts as we consider this subject, who is my neighbor? Luke chapter 10 is the chapter here where Jesus commissions the 70 and he sends them out. He says in verse 2, the harvest truly, I'm in Luke 10 if you haven't turned there. He says in verse 2, the harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of harvest, that he would send forth labors in his harvest. And I'm not going to read the entire chapter leading up to the account here of the good Samaritan, but we know he gave them instructions and he sent them out. And then I think down in verse 17, they all come back. The 70 return again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us. They return rejoicing. And then he gives them some instruction down in verse 20. He says, notwithstanding, rejoice not in that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And then we come up there to verse uh, 22, 23. 23, it says, he turns to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are your eyes, for you see these things. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see the things which you have seen. And to hear the things that you hear and have not heard them. And I guess I'd like for us just to consider a little bit this morning. The blessing that we have of living in the kingdom age that we live in today. The blessing that we have. You know he says here that there would have been many that would have longed to see the things that you see. And hear the things that you hear. And to live in the age that you lived in. And have not been able. Too many times I think we grumble and complain too much about Life That we think we have it rough When we really really do have it good We really have it good And we know this story here It goes on to say how the lawyer stands up Tempting him And says master what shall I do to have Eternal life in verse 25 26 he said what readest thou in the law How readest thou And he answered and said And you know he already knew the answer This wise lawyer already knew the answer He says thou shalt love the Lord thy God With all thy heart with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, that was a, the command to love our Lord with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength is a command that we have back in the Old Testament. But I'm not quite sure. I was just doing a little bit of studying back there, but it doesn't seem in the Old Covenant that they necessarily had that latter part tacked on, love your neighbor as yourself. And I'd like just this morning to just do a little bit of thinking. You know, we're really blessed to live in the kingdom age that we live in. And, you know, back in Deuteronomy 6, I thought actually about reading Deut- Deuteronomy 6, and I don't know that we're going to read the, the uh, entire chapter there or the, the portion that I'm referring to, but just like to look back there a little bit. This was back here under Moses' leadership yet before the conquest into Canaan, the way I understand it. In Deuteronomy 6, in verse 4 and 5 and 6, he says, Hero O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Period. It doesn't happen. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But I think all of us as Bible scholars, we know and understand that under the Old Covenant, God asked and expected them to do some pretty horrific things to their neighbors. You know, they were to go in, and in some places it was just massive slaughter to drive out the enemy. And they weren't commanded back there, as I'm understanding it. Maybe some of you Bible scholars can correct my theology later if you feel you need be. But you know, they were instructed to do some some things that almost makes our heads spin when we look at how God dealt with His people back there in the Old Covenant. But today, that we know, it's all different. They were instructed there that they were to teach diligently to their children, verse 7, talk of them when thou sit in the house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And he goes on down through to give them instruction, and then he talked about when they enter into that land. He says in verse 13, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve Him, and shalt swear by His name. Ye shall not go after the gods, of the gods of the people which are around about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest His anger... The anger of the Lord be kindled against thee and destroy thee from the face of the earth. He gave some real strict warning there about the gods of the nations and idolatry and those kind of things. However, they were commanded to love the Lord their God. And I believe this wise lawyer knew that and understood the need to love God. And, you know, God this morning as we studied and understand God, try to understand God, grasp who God is. And really understand God. And you know, he gave commands way back there in the old covenant. To love the Lord with our whole heart, soul, mind and strength. But under the new covenant, he instructs us to love our neighbor as ourself. And this morning, that's the question that I'd like to have ringing through our ears. As we consider this subject. What does it mean for me personally to love my neighbor? We can look at this example here with the good Samaritan. And we can see what he did. And I think we can learn from it. But you know, I think it's good for each one of us in the generation, in the day that we live in today, what does it mean for me to love my neighbor as myself? What does that mean? God's love stands superior to everything else, but then we're destructed that we are to love our neighbor as ourself. So this morning, I'd like for us to be thinking about that, and we want to look at The example that's given in this passage of Scripture here as this bit of a story unfolds before our eyes. And I think Jesus used quite an example to really get the attention of the people there concerning the Good Samaritan. And I trust this morning that God will have something for us this morning. Maybe, some, maybe like I said, some of us need to wrestle with that question. What does it mean to be stretched outside of our comfort zone, outside of the box that we live in? And to love our neighbor as ourself. And before we really get into the, the too much of the detail here of this story, I'd like to just think a bit about the whole idea of redemption and whose we are. And let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, just as a bit of a foundation as we consider the subject. You know, whose are we this morning? When we think of our redemption, uh, 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says, What know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which you are, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, I think it does us all good this morning to understand the fact and the reality that we're not our own. If we've been purchased, we've been redeemed this morning, we're not our own, we are His. And as 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, we are purchased with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. You know, it does us really good sometimes just to stop and think about what it cost our Lord to purchase our salvation And to somehow let the weight of the responsibility fall on us. That God has a work for His children to do. God has a work for His children to do. One of the things that motivated me along the line of this subject, and I shared it in our prayer group with our brothers here on Wednesday night, but one of the things that really motivated me along the way on this whole subject of loving our neighbor, and our responsibility for that poor, wounded As the scripture says here in this story, half-dead person laying along the road. And I don't, again, as I said on Wednesday night, I don't want to put some sort of a guilt trip on anybody that is closing their door to the opportunity and the great need in Tanzania. That is not my goal at all here this morning. But my goal is to let the weight of the responsibility of loving my neighbor as myself rest upon each one of us. That we can ask God the question, what does that mean to me? And one of the things that motivated me along the line of actually sharing this this morning was there was a family and a brother that we asked and thought maybe they would be a possibility of a family that would spend a number of months, possibly up to a half a year, in Africa. And when we realized that it probably wasn't the best option, and I responded back to him and said it appears that there maybe is going to be another option. And I said to the brother, I said, does that?" and he already had responded to me and left me know that they would be very open to that. And uh, they would have gave a pretty affirmative response that they would go. And he, and he just come in to me, he said, well, I said to him, I said, does that leave you disappointed or relieved? I forget exactly how he said it. And he said, well, maybe a little bit of both. He said, you know, he said, my life is not my own. He said, if God wants me to go, he said, I'll go. If he wants me to stay, I'll stay. And I guess I just share all this thing of this whole idea of redemption and our lives being not our own. And the blessed the blessing that we have of living in the kingdom age. And, and this is really the burden of my message here this morning. And some of this, I'll I say a little bit more here. Some of this actually comes from a, a thought that my son gave to me, who is out at SNBI and he's in the evangelism team. And uh, it's interesting when you have a young boy that goes to a Bible school like that, and he... Uh, learns things that his dad doesn't know and he can challenge his dad with some interesting questions that his dad doesn't know. And he was challenging me as, what is, the, what is the biblical method of evangelism, he asked me. It was a question something like that. What is the biblical method of evangelism? And he gave several scenarios, kind of a trick question. But the answer of it is, you know, we get to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. We get to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's the... That's the that's the encouragement that I'd like to give all of us this morning. You know, as Jesus turned to his disciples here, you know, there, obviously it seemed like there were 70 that he sent out, and I don't know who all was here upon their return as he was talking. But in verse 24, I think it is there, Luke 10, he kind of turns to them and just spoke to, directly to them and said, There's many that have desired to see the day that you have seen and have not seen it, and to hear the things which you hear and not heard them. And you know, I guess I'd like for us just to give us some encouragement this morning that we as God's children can go outside of our comfort zone and we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's the encouragement that I'd like to give us this morning and like to encourage us along that way as we consider this whole subject. As we consider this subject that we're talking about here this morning, why don't we go ahead and read this passage of Scripture now. Luke 10, I suppose you're there. I think I'm going to... I'll just begin reading at verse 23. And he turned and he turned him unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are your eyes which see the things that ye see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see the things which ye see and have not seen them and to hear the things which ye hear, and have not heard them. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up, tempting him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And I had to wonder if maybe it tripped him up just a little bit with that, And who is my neighbor subject? You know, he was, whether he was a Jew or not here, I don't know what he understood of the scriptures at that point, and he understood, I'm gonna suppose anyhow, he understood the whole idea of what it means to love the Lord our God, whether he understood all the practicality of that, love the Lord our God with our whole soul, heart, mind, and strength. But I believe possibly what he had a little bit of trouble with today, and is possibly the very thing that we sometimes would have to admit we have trouble with today, what is it means to love my neighbor as myself. And that's the question that he asked. And I think here this morning, Jesus just gives us a simple, practical little lesson. Of what does it really mean to love our neighbor as ourselves? And then he gives this little account that we're all too familiar with. But let's just read over and see what God would have to say to our hearts personally here this morning. And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast. And brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave to them, and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Now which of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showeth mercy unto him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. And I'll leave off reading right there. I got ahead of my notes earlier. I have to find out where I'm at here. One of the things that I think would be worthy of depicting here as we go back to verse 25 there, where the lawyer, it says, he stood up tempting him and said, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You know, I think it would be good for us just to meditate on that thing a little bit. You know, sometimes we we refer a little bit too much that, well, salvation is a gift. And truly, salvation is a gift. Salvation is a tremendous gift for us this morning to be received by faith and to accept. It's a tremendous gift of salvation. But you know, I think here this morning as we think about this wise lawyer saying, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? You know, this morning as we consider the whole idea, what I talked about redemption and the the, the tremendous gift that we have of salvation, does not something will up in our hearts, just like it did this lawyer And say, what shall I do? Not that we have this works mentality that we have to do something in order to maintain our salvation. You know, we have to be careful when it comes to these things. I think that we don't get the cart before the horse. But I believe if we have things in its proper context and we understand this so great a salvation. And we let that love for God well up in us, like it all to well up in us. And we respond... Somewhat like this lawyer did here, what shall I do? You know, I believe this morning it's right and it's only expedient for us to recommend, uh, recognize that God has a work for his children. And he gives us an example here of what that work is. That work is to love our neighbor as ourself. To love our neighbor as ourself. Verse 28, when he responds, he says, Jesus says to him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. You know, I probably said it before, but you know, many times I think God's people sometimes get depressed. I believe God's children sometimes get depressed and discouraged because we simply aren't busy about God's business. Do you believe that? That can be a reality sometimes. And, you know, I'd just like for us to meditate on that little phrase where he says, this do and thou shalt live. I think probably all of us would have heard that little phrase sometimes where people say, and sometimes they use it somewhat of a mocking way where they'll say to somebody, why don't you get a life? Why don't you get a life? Just get a life. You know, maybe somebody does something that rubs us the wrong way and and you hear somebody say, well, just just get a life. Well, you know, here I think Jesus is suggesting this is a life. This is a life for his children. He says to him, this do, and thou shalt live. I believe this morning God has a life for his children. And you know, I believe it's safe to say many times God's children, like this man, know what to do. But we we deny reality. Just like this man says, who is my neighbor to justify himself? I believe God's children ought to be busy. Who is my neighbor? Many times we can raise that question simply to shirk our God-given responsibility to our neighbor. We're going to move along here to verse 30. You know, this morning as we consider this subject, it has to do with a certain lawyer, it says. It talks about a certain man who fell among the thieves. And then we have the example of the certain Levite. We have the example of the certain priest. And then we have the example of the good Samaritan. Let's look at verse 30 at this poor soul. And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. You know, we could call them the unfortunate. Last evening in our family devotions, I got our our Christian Aid newsletter out and read to the children some of the things that are happening in our world today of the less fortunate. And we could call this man here the less fortunate. He was also a man that was taken advantage of. He was stripped and wounded as the Bible says here, and the the thief departed, leaving him laying there along the road, as the word says here, half dead. You know, it just gives quite a sight. Here lays a man who who fell among the thieves, and he's wounded, and he's stripped, and he's laying there half dead. You know, it just reminds us of the you know, that the needs in this world are huge, are they not? The needs in this world are huge. And here's a man that's laying along the road. He's wounded, he's bleeding, and as the Scripture says, he's half dead. And then we have the account, and it says, By chance, there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Verse 32 says, And likewise the the Levite, When he was at the same place, he came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. You know, as I said, the needs in this world are huge. And I think all of us, we have many, many ways and methods that we understand and we see the needs that are in the world. And I think it's only right for us this morning to raise the question, what are we doing about the needs in the world? And you know, I don't think it's an accident this morning that God, and I don't know, I think this actually was a literal happening, so it's quite uh, an incident here that really gets our attention. But you know, it was the Levite and it was the priest that were, we could call them God's people of that day. It was the Levite and the priest that were God's people of that day. And they come walking by, they were the religious sect. You know there's a sense in which we could call them the church, could we not? You know, just to jog our thinking a little bit. It was the Levite and the priest. It, it, they, they were those that were the ones that were part of the 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 worship system of the day, those that stood between god and 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 man. And here they are, and we have the priest and the Levite. Who come walking by and they look and they go by on the other side. You know, that were and would be a sad commentary if that would be the church of our day, would it not? And I'm not trying to suggest that it is, but I think sometimes it's good this morning to have our thinking jogged a little bit when it comes to how am I living. And you know, it's a good question for us to wrestle with, as I shared earlier on here in the message, you know, the whole concept of who is my neighbor. And, you know, I'd just like for us this morning just to have our and my thinking jogged a bit. You know, we're Americans and we have we have so much. We have so much at our fingertips. And, you know, it's very easy for us to adjust our lifestyles based on our wealth, and all those kind of things, rather than considering the needs of this world. And here we have the Levite and the priest who come walking by and seem not to be bothered. They took the hands-off approach. They looked, they saw, and they went by on the other side. <clears throat> Quite an amazing reality for us to consider this morning. As we think of this whole subject of who is my neighbor. Now let's consider, on the contrary, the Samaritan. This message this morning is not to make anybody feel discouraged that we're not doing the job. We're not living up to our responsibility. But I think it's good this morning for us to jog our thinking. You know, I realize that we all have different ways of processing things. We all have different ways of looking at... ...at the life of this Good Samaritan... ...and I realized this morning that some of us could look at the Good Samaritan... ...and figure, well, oh, I passed this person over here and that person over there. I'm not living up to it. And we could actually recoil into discouragement... ...because we're not living up to the example that we have before us here this morning... ...of the Good Samaritan. But I also realized that some of us can become so accustomed to our culture... ...to our lifestyle and to our way of living... That we can walk by the bleeding and the wounded and the half dead like the priest and the Levite and do nothing. So our encouragement this morning, my encouragement to you this morning and to my own heart this morning is what am I doing personally to live up to the command that we have here in Scripture of loving, first of all, the Lord with our whole heart, soul and mind and strength and loving our neighbor as ourself. That's my goal here this morning. Let 's read thirty three thirty four and thirty five again, but as a certain Samaritan but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. and on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host, and said unto him, take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again. I will repay thee. Now, I'd like for us this morning to consider the the Samaritan people, and we know who the Samaritan people were. Most of us, as Bible scholars, realize that it was the Samaritan people that in a sense we could say they were, could we say the scum of society? They were those that were looked down on. They were, well, they were just Samaritans. Now, you probably understand why I started off this morning with the story that I did about the... Welsh Mountain, the slums over there on the Welsh Mountain. You know, here we have God bringing to our attention that it wasn't the priest and it wasn't the Levite. It wasn't in that day, so to speak, the church, the man that did the outstanding thing. It was supposedly that, well, that person over there. It was the Welsh Mountain slum. In a sense, we could call it that as we consider who they were. You know, one of the one of the main points that I'd like to get here this morning is that whole idea of what I said. That feeling that crept over me, even as a little boy, somehow feeling superior to those people over there. But you know, this Samaritan, I think, had no feeling of superiority over this man lying there along the road in the ditch. I believe that this Samaritan could identify... With this needy soul. And could we say possibly because he had a right view of himself. You know I think this morning it's very very important. As we understand the needs of the world. And how to reach into the hearts of people. When we have a right understanding of who we really are before God. And I'd just like this morning for us to put it in our heart. Put it in my own heart. I'm not talking to anybody else but myself here this morning. You know, I think as part of the plain community and how much I appreciate the plain community and how much I'm so thankful to be part of the plain community. And this morning I realized that being part of the plain community, there's no salvation in being part of the plain community in itself. But realizing my personal salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ and trust a, a kingdom Christian, and the blessing of being part of the plain community community is a tremendous blessing. But I also realize that being part of the plain community can also be very detrimental if we're not careful in our ability to reach out. You know, it can affect our attitude. And this morning, I'd like for us to just uh, consider some of those things this morning. What kind of a view do I have of myself? Am I superior when I think of the needs around me? Let's look a little bit more here. Laying that aside for a bit. Let's look a little bit more here at uh, some of the phrases that we find here. In verse 33 it says, But a, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed. You know, I'd like for us this morning just to consider that phrase a little bit this morning. Of this Samaritan man. It says, As he journeyed. You know, I don't believe that it was, you know, we get, we get this idea that we set a day aside and now we're going to go to New York or we, uh, pick our evening aside and now we're going to go to Pottsville. We pick our evening aside and we're going to go to Lebanon Children's Ministry and them are all good and healthy things. But, you know, I'd like for us to get, just give us all some encouragement that this was a usual day, I believe, in the life of Samaritan. He was simply on his journey. He was on his journey. He was going about his daily activity. And he saw the need. You know, I believe he was a man that had his eyes and ears open and was looking for ways to serve his fellow men. I'd like for us to suggest, I'd like to suggest to us this morning that this man had what we Christians, I believe, need today. He was looking where he could pour his life out for the kingdom of God. And I'd like to suggest. That I think it's the will of God that we can somehow adapt that for our daily life. An ordinary day for this man. And I'd like for us to suggest to us this morning and not for any of us to, to feel somehow defeated because we're not living up to the life of the Good Samaritan. But you know, I think this morning there would be something here for each one of us as children of God that we can get a hold of. That we actually get. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to buy idealism make us feel that we can't reach it because we're probably not living up to what we see here in the life of the good Samaritan. But for somehow this morning for us to grasp a hold of the fact that we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus and that we can actually live our lives like that. That's my heart and that's my desire for us this morning. You know, when this good Samaritan saw him, he did something. He did something. This good Samaritan did what he could. And it says he looked on him and had compassion on him. You know, that's the very thing that Jesus had when he looked on the multitudes. Scripture tells us that he had compassion. And that's something that is so easily lacking. And I realize in my own heart today. That's something I think we ought to pray for. To give us a heart of compassion like this man had. When we see the needs of the world. But you know, I also recognize it's so easy for us in the religious, in the plain community to have a small world view compared to what this man had. The Samaritan did what he could with what he had. It says he bound up his wounds. You know, we live in a painful, hurting world where there's people that are scarred terribly by sin and they need to hear... I believe, from God's children. It says he poured in oil and wine. He was willing to share God's love with this man. And you know, not only that, he used the resources that he had. And it says here that he put him on his own beast and took him to an inn and took care of him. He was willing to be used with what he had. And you know, I realize that we live in a world where many will reject God's people I believe we live in a world where there's many that don't accept God's love. But I also believe that there are those that are open and willing if we allow ourselves to be poured out and to love, learn to love our neighbor as ourself. You know, this man was willing to allow his life and his agenda and his plan to be stopped for the sake of this soul. And, you know, too often I get the mindset that I don't want my life to be interrupted. And, you know, we can't help, and we can only imagine some of the things that could have been going on in the priest and the Levite's mind. They had their agenda. They had their places to go, their thing to do, their money to be made, their people to meet. And I realize we all have our responsibilities, and sometimes there's things that we cannot do. But, you know, I think this morning it's good for us to have our thinking jogged a bit. I'd like for us this morning to just allow ourselves to be stretched a little bit and allow ourselves to think, you know, all of us have our box around us of what we're comfortable to function inside of us. You know, we do. We have that thing that we call our comfort zone. As long as I can maintain inside of this zone where I'm comfortable, life will go on as normal and things will be good. Right? We all have that. We all have that. And I just think this morning, and I'd like to allow my thinking to be jogged. You know, I think God wants to move His children outside of that which they're comfortable with sometimes. And I'd like to think this morning that the Good Samaritan allowed himself to be moved outside of that. You know, we all have our goals and our ideals and our ideas of what we'd like to do with our time and with our money, and with our possessions, and all those kind of things. But you know, when we consider the price of our redemption, do we have all those things on the altar for God? Or are we like the priest and the Levite who like to function inside of our comfort zone? You know, this morning, I, I would just like for us to just allow ourselves to be stretched a little bit when we think about these things, when we think about our young church experience here at Oasis Christian Fellowship. Are we a people that are actively involved and busy in the lives of others? Or are we wanting to function inside of our comfort zone? You know, this morning it's It's God's will that we allow ourselves to be stretched. A little bit like the story of the eaglet as we know how that little eagle gets pushed out of the nest and has to learn to fly. You know, some of us need to be pushed, I think, sometimes outside of of what is comfortable to us. And I'd just like to give us some encouragement this morning that way as we consider these things. One of the verses that I had wanted to look at was James 2. Um, James 2, you can turn there if you wish. You know, here where it's talking about loving our neighbor as ourself in James 2, it actually calls it the royal law. It says, if you fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect unto persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. This morning it calls it their loving our neighbor as ourself. It calls it the royal law. And I'd like to suggest us this morning that part of the reason I believe why it calls it the royal law is we can be the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus when it comes to loving our neighbor as ourself. A couple other miscellaneous scriptures here to look at Galatians five, thirteen through sixteen. Galatians 5, 13-16. For brethren, ye have been called into liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but to love and serve one another. For if ye fulfill the royal law in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself ye do well. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This morning, I'd just like for us yet just to think a bit practically when we think of the our this loving our neighbor subject. You know, I'd like for all of us just to be able to get a hold of the whole idea of being the hands and feet of Jesus. I know I refer to that from time to time. But, you know, I'd like to even suggest to the children You know, there are many, many ways that we get to serve and to be that, even in our homes. You know, children, we get to be that many ways for your mother or for your father. And, you know, we can go down the list. You know, we can be that for our spouse, for our partner. You know, it can be in the workplace where we can be that. It can be the next door neighbor or the person along the road. Or it could be someone that's stranded. But you know, I believe here this morning, God is wanting us to learn how to be the hands and feet of Jesus as we go through life, if we will allow our time and money and resources to be used. You know, I think I probably referred to this before already here, that a book by Gary Miller titled Going to You're Gone. It's just a book that I really have appreciated. How many of you read that book? Going to You're Gone by Gary Miller. Just really gives us encouragement. You know, many times it's... And one of the, the burdens that he has in that book is how many times when we, we reach the middle age bracket and we start having extra finances around and we don't have some of the financial pressures that we would have had when we were younger. And, you know, it's very easy to just become, you know, use our money for ourselves and become very selfish living rather than pouring ourselves out for the kingdom of God. Do I have a heart for people? I would like this morning to conclude just by reading Matthew 25. Matthew 25, and this is a familiar scripture to us here this morning, but uh, I'd like to just read it and consider it as we read over Matthew 25, beginning at verse 31. It reads here, "...when the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon His throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats." And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, and the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto him on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered? and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? Then shall the king answer them, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was unhungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, whence saw we thee in hunger, or a thirst, or stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as ye done it not unto the least of one of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. I trust as we read scriptures like that, it can just develop in our heart a burden and a passion for us to think outside of our comfort zone. And to think outside of the box that's comfortable to us. And I trust this morning, as we consider these things, we'll all go from here and ask ourselves the question that he asked, and that is, who is my neighbor? And you know, I trust this morning that we can wrestle with that question if we need to wrestle with it, that God will enable us this morning to do like he instructed there in verse 37 of, uh, of Luke, where he, he, told the, uh, he told the wise lawyer, he said, go and do thou likewise. And I think that would be the heart of God for His children this morning as we consider the privilege that we have of being the hands and feet of Jesus. God bless you.